Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bearcat Blitz, late week show. Time for it right now on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Heltman of allbearcats.com. He is my co-host, Neil Meyer of allbearcats.com as well and the front office news.com. Here to tell you all about a unfortunate loss by the Bearcats, one that could ultimately be the fulcrum point in deciding their NCAA tournament fate, 68-59 defeat at the hands of Iowa State at home, their fourth home loss of the season all in conference play. Neil and I will talk about that to start the show. We'll take a look at all the numbers post-Iowa State loss. What does Cincinnati have to do? They probably have to go 5-2, and two, spoiler alert. We'll break that down in segment number two. And then new football players, transfers, talked to the media on Tuesday of this week from the UC football program, Brendan Soresby, the new quarterback, expected starting quarterback, although he's got to win that job outright over the next few months. Joe uh, who, who was it? Joe Royer also as well, the Ohio State tight end. You had Derek Canteen, Jared Bartlett, Kai Stokes talked as well. We'll get the overarching takeaways from those conversations. Neil was there, and we'll get his thoughts right there on the ground. But first, we got to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up to the minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit, bet online. The game starts here. Neil, Iowa State comes into Cincinnati's house, forces the most turnovers by the program in a game since 2006, a season that Bearcats fans would love to forget permanently in a game and a trending Big 12 conference result schedule that Bearcats fans are trying to forget as well. Yeah, and that's something, Russ, that we kind of talked about coming into this game was Iowa State's physicality and their guard play. And, man, were their, their guards fantastic last night. I mean, 26 turnovers, and that's the Bearcats just simply looked flustered. And, I mean, you look at the pressure they created, it just seemed right off the rip. I think the first two possessions of the game resulted in turnovers, and I kind of got a sense of, okay, this could go one of two ways. They could – control the ball or turnovers could continue to climb. And at one point there was about 12 minute mark. They had more turnovers and more field goal attempts, which was up to nine at the 
think it was the under 12 media stop. They had nine turnovers. And, and then next thing, you know, next thing you know, it just kept climbing. And that, that Iowa State team, for many people who watched the game last night, the, you guys are obviously going to look at the turnover battle, but look how relentless that Iowa State defense was. I mean, that's probably arguably the best defensive team in college basketball, definitely in the Big 12. So Outside I mean, of Houston. I mean, they're right there. I mean, Houston is a, is a, is in a class of its own, Neil. We know that, just given. I mean, they're the only team mm-hmm. in the country allowing a five. The, the number they allow on defense starts with a five. They're the only team in the country with that number. But Iowa State, close behind them in the 60s they're allowing this year. And, I mean, I'm right there with you, Neil. Like, when I was sitting there thinking in my head, watching those possessions by Curtis Jones, by Taman Lipsy, by uh, – I, I keep forgetting this guy. Kishan Gilbert. The, Kishan Gilbert. I had to ask you about his name last night. Those guys, the way that they bring the intensity, the way that they bring the ball pressure right once you get past half court, it really brings a lot of pressure off their bigs. And it allowed Hassan Ward, Neil, to have a three-stock game. He was all over the floor, 87.2 defensive rating that the Iowa State lead forward have. I mean, he was able to kind of freelance and take up more space around the paint because he could confidently know that there was not going to be any free runners rolling down the lane towards him with how staunch and how stark that ball pressure was from Iowa State. I mean, it felt like there was a trap happening on Bearcats ball handlers deep into the shot clock, like a third of the possessions. Neil, they turned the ball over 25 times, and they took, let's see, checks notes, a total of 50 field goals in this game. Oh, a two-to-one shot-to-turnover ratio. It's just, obviously, that is not going to be able to equate to a winning formula, especially in the Big 12 against a top-10 opponent. Yeah, and you talk about the Iowa State defense. I mean, that was the most frustrated the Bearcats offense has looked through the season. I believe it was up to five shot clock violations. And, I mean, three if three that I recall in the early first half where you're like, oh, wow, like this is this could be the, the time where they look completely out of sync, flustered, any word you use to describe it. And then you have the possession that could have swung the momentum in the Bearcats' favor, wiped off the board late in the shot clock after CJ. Yeah. Like, that was an incredible quick quick release, like catch and shoot. But it was just a millisecond after uh, the shot clock, to, which resulted in a turnover. But, man, Iowa State's defense, you have to give props to them. You really do. I mean, they proved to be one of the best teams in the country. And TJ Osselberger has done a fantastic job in his three seasons in Ames. And – this Iowa State team, they might not look at it on paper because they only had four guys at, or three guys, excuse me, averaging double figures in scoring. Last night they finished with four. And you know what their record was entering last night, Russ, when they had four or more players entering double digits in a game? 25 and one. And so when they their offense is clicking like that on all cylinders, they are a really tough team to beat. And that was a full display last night. I thought Jizzle James was fantastic, though. We have to talk about him. I mean, despite the five turn- turnovers, I thought he was arguably the best player on the court. And the true freshman rose to the occasion, 16 points on 6 of 10 shooting. And Russ, we got to talk about it. He lived around the rim. I mean, it just seemed like every rebounding opportunity was there. I mean, he was getting those tips. He was trying to trying to really affect the game in all aspects. He crashed the boards. And he kind of reminded you of a, a point guard we saw last year at times and David DeJulius, who was able to score but could really alter the game by his ability to go and get a rebound when desperately needed. And that was a huge sight 
for the Bearcats last night to see Jizzle James have that kind of night. But people also have to remember the Bearcats only have two true point guards on this team. And Wes Miller even mentioned that in the post-game press conference. They, they have two inexperienced point guards in Jizzle James, who is a true freshman, and Day-Day Thomas, who is coming from junior college, still learning the Division One college basketball landscape. People forget about that. But you look across some of these other teams in the country, they have three or four guys who can come up and bring the ball up the court as predominant point guards in this league. Or in college basketball, the Bearcats have two. So they have to be patient. They have to trust the process with these two young players because, as Wes Miller has said all season, they have the right guys at point guard. They fully trust what they're able to do. They are more than capable of trusting their abilities, but they just have to be patient. Fans just have to be patient at the point guard position. It's kind of there's two contradictory statements though. There, Neil. They have the right guys, but they aren't performing the right way. So we have to be patient to see it. It's just I can see where fans are very frustrated, and I can see where fans are starting to point fingers at the roster building that has gone on so far for this team, Neil. You have all of these big men. You have Sage Tolentino, who I believe is on scholarship, has not played at all in his entire Bearcats career. He's played maybe 10 minutes total. They have five to six big men. And as you mentioned, two ball handlers, three, if you count Seamus Lukosius, who that's not necessarily his his bread and butter, so to speak, to be the lead guard of an offense. So I, I think the... Worst case scenario, some of the pitfalls that could have befell this group, this roster makeup, is starting to it, – it has reared its head throughout the season because, as we mentioned, they had met expectations, and then you go and lose two in a row to Houston and ISU, games that you and I said they had to get one of. They had to get one of these games in the toughest two-game stretch of their schedule, and they didn't get them because of prior home losses to uh, to Texas and, uh, and Oklahoma and the likes of that. So – it's it's tough, man. I I really thought this team had the right roster makeup. I thought the guard play would be good enough to get them over the hump. And then the CJ Frederick injury injury happens. He comes into the game yesterday or on, on Tuesday and does a solid job. He gave him good minutes, I thought, was able to get over 15 plus done. Told me after I asked him after the game what how he was feeling, said he was feeling healthy, feeling good. And it's just one of those unlucky things, Neil, where maybe if you had that that full complement of guards, which they obviously they needed that full complement throughout this entire Big 12 slate to be able to meet their full potential. Maybe just maybe you get good enough guard play to unlock a front court that had Neil six total points out of your top three front court players last night. Just inexcusable. It cannot be that bad. You cannot get six points of production <laughs> from Victor Locken, Aziz Bandago, and Jamil Reynolds combined. Aziz Bandago and, and Victor Lockin, I mean, those, that was Aziz Bandago's worst game as a Bearcat. Tied a career high in turnovers, had seven rebounds, yes, but just one point, was terrible at the free throw line. Jamil Reynolds, decent, solid, but, I mean, man, I need more than five points and four shots in 21 minutes out of Jamil Reynolds with the, with the skill set that he was supposed to bring to this team. And then Victor Lockin, I don't know what to say at this point, man. I mean, it's just like there's no explanation. Nine minutes another goose egg he starts the game goes 0 for 2 from the field he wasn't the reason they lost it I don't think the front court was necessarily the reason they lost the game it was the turnovers and a lot of that happening in the back court but it's just another missed opportunity and it's just another instance where the unlucky breaks have hit at the absolutely worst times for this team so far throughout this season 
And now, as we're about to get to in the next segment, they are completely up against it with zero room for error remaining in the final seven games. Yeah, and talking last night's game as well, we have to mention the battle of the glass. I mean, that's something we talked about, Russ, where if you wanted to win big, you'd have to win the battle of glass. They did that Which by they dominating. And 15 to 8 on the offensive rebounding, but you only get eight second chance points. If you can add just a couple, four, six more points there on the offensive end after those offensive rebounds, and you limit your turnovers by take away six of those turnovers, it might be a different ball game. But the main thing is 26 turnovers and you still lose by just eight to a top 10 team in the country is fantastic, in my opinion, because Obviously, that could have been a blowout. That could have been a game where they get beat by 25. 26 or 25? I thought it was 25. All the box scores I'm seeing have, have 25. Where do you get 26? I had, I had 26 in the final stat broadcast last night. If right, I it, recall. Says, it says 25 right here and on ESPN. But yeah. anyway, regardless, it's it's terrible. It's just all yeah. around bad. You still lower and, the lower the turnovers down. Just You take away, keep that number under 20. Even if it's 19, 18, 19, you're still going to be disappointed in that number. But – it's, it could have been the game where it could have swung different ways. I mean, you look at Jizzle James was fantastic on Taman Lipsy in the second half. Held him just a two of eight shooting for, I believe, six points in the second half. After, I mean, he lit, lit us up in the first half. I mean, three for four, nine points, and was just doing everything for Iowa State. If I remember right, Russ, Taman Lipsy, Kashawn Gilbert, and Robert Jones had 27 of the first 35 points in the first half for Iowa State. Yeah, it was the guards. The guards were killing them. The guards were killing them on offense, and they were killing them on defense. And it's just, it's just like I, you just, you want to see some consistency start to build from this team. That's what you want to see, and and it's it's tough. Like it's their first year in the Big Twelve. As we've mentioned, we've talked about it all the last couple months. First couple games so far, la- to these past two games, the two hardest games of your season, arguably, the two hardest game stretch is your first two game stretch of the season where you have your entire roster. At your disposal, and it's just at, at this point, it's just kind of it. You, you leave it up to to what happened. You say say stuff happens, and usually you put a different word in there. But I mean, Jamil Reynolds, it's just there's just not. You can't expect the impact. I don't think to really come this season. It's got to be all the eggs in in one basket for next year to hope he can really uh, come in and make an impact there. But the bo- most brutal part of all this, Neil, is they're like plugging one hole. And then another hole pops up. They plugged mm-hmm. all the holes two games ago by getting back CJ Frederick. Obviously, he's not fully ready to go against Houston, but you get what I'm saying. And then what happens? What is that also in the midst of? Victor Locken is cratering as you're getting CJ Frederick back. And then you get back to back goose eggs out of Victor Locken, who, I mean, it's just, I, I can't really explain it. I just, I, I can't explain it. Can you explain it, Neil? Like, is there, I don't think there's really anything to say besides it's, it's just, the game of basketball, these guys are human beings, and sometimes you just play really bad for consistent stretches. But like this is not the player in terms of Victor Lockett's impact that we saw throughout high-level games last year, even in games against Xavier, Houston, Memphis, games this year against Dayton, Xavier. I mean, he's played well against really good competition. So I don't think that's the biggest reason, just going up against more hard, hard teams. It's a head-scratcher, man, and it's just one of those things where – you look around, you look down at the Ken Pop Ken Palm luck metric, 344th nationally, and you say, it's one of those snake bit years where this team cannot quite put one foot in front of the other without tripping after a few steps. 
Yeah, and obviously for a guy like Victor Locken, I mean, he's done so many great things for this program this season. But right. I think right now for him, coming out of that illness, I mean, this was an illness that we've talked about, Russ, affected not only just Victor Locken, but a couple other members on this team. I think for him, just finding his confidence back, I'm right when you see that first bucket fall for him, whenever that may be after the couple weeks he's had, once it's going to come. Right. And you could kind of see that last night, his first touch, it wasn't his fault. It gets put passed to him too hard, goes off his hands and he just and kind of second, shrugs second, his shoulders. Like, and he's like, man, he kind of looks up at the sky. It's just like, you could kind of see it's like, man, is it going to be another one of those nights? And, it ended and up then the there. second touch was a great look. It was just a little floater that just bounced off the rim the wrong way. I mean, it was a fantastic look. I thought it was a great shot to open the second half, but the confidence is just, he's just, the confidence is down for him to say the least. And once it, once he sees that first bucket or two start to fall, whenever that may be, if the starting lineup changes, we don't know that. But for him to get his confidence back will be tremendous for this Bearcats team. But obviously, as we talk about Russ, everyone is a human being. Players go through rough stretches. This right now is just one of those rough stretches for a guy like Victor Locken. But fans, you just gotta just gotta trust it. Like you have to. You can't sit there and boo him every time he comes on the court like they have the last two yeah, games. Yeah, that's not productive. That's not productive at all. It's not doing anything. He Last night, you look down at the stats, zero turnovers. He didn't turn the ball over 25, 26 times, whatever it was. He was not the reason the ball was getting turned over. So I don't know. I don't understand the booing anytime he's come on the court. I just I just simply don't. But overall, the confidence is down. And when, when he sees that first shot, he starts to find his confidence back. This Bearcats team will be playing like they were at the beginning of the season, and this offense will open up, and the Bearcats will be shocking a lot of teams. And hopefully that comes this Saturday versus UCF, because for fans who don't remember, Victor Locken could not play against UCF two weeks ago due to the said illness. Yep. And uh, when you look at that plus-minus rundown, Jamil Reynolds, he gave him decent minutes, but just the scoring has just not been there. Solid on defense, but... Only took four shots. Ended up a plus nine, so that was solid. He was the highest plus minus on the team. And then Dan Skillings, who he deserves a shout-out as well. Dan, not necessarily hyper-efficient, but he is the sixth man of all six men right now for Cincinnati. He is really coming in and giving them a spark. Four of 11 from the field. He scored 13 points. And Jizzle James, as you mentioned, got to give a shout-out to the true freshman. I think that's the biggest takeaway, positively, that if Cincinnati doesn't make the NCAA tournament, you can feel really good knowing that year two with Jizzle James, he can take on even more responsibility and probably find you would expect more consistency as he has popped off in some big games this year. That's a good thing to see out of the freshman. Bill Meyer, I'm Russ Seltman. We'll be right back on Bearcat Blitz looking at the NCAA tournament projections as we stand from this recording following the loss to Iowa State. A little long in that first segment, but a lot to get to in a top 10 matchup. First time since 1988-89 season that UC has hosted back-to-back top 10 teams, and they fell in both contests. 67-62 to a dominating Houston team on defense and a just slightly less dominating defensive team in Iowa State, taking them out as the number 10 ranked team. 58-59. Neil, we look at the latest bracket projections here. Updated through February 13th, the 2024 bracket matrix is. So does not have last night's game involved. And even without that, 
Neil, they were still only a part of 44 out of 105 brackets. And of those 44 brackets, they were averaging out to right around a 11.45 seed. So barely clinging on to a spot at that point. We all know the at-large teams, the worst at-large teams are slotted in as 12 seeds. And then the rest of the seeding is, uh, is 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 are all given to the low major conference champions. So it's it's not looking great. It's not looking great for Cincinnati to make the NCAA tournament this year. And the team rankings percentage drop echoes that even more. They were at a 61.7% chance to make the tournament entering the game against Iowa State. Nine-point loss has left them with a 49.4% chance to make it. And when we look at the net rankings, least amount of damage there, they fall just one spot to number 36 in the net as they sit at Four and eight this season, Neil, in quad one games. And what do we say at the beginning of the year? What did we say on this podcast to start the season? West Miller's going to have to find a way to get six quad one wins. And Neil, that's the exact formula that this team has to meet to have a any shot of making the NCAA tournament. I think they got to win a, a conference tournament game plus go five and two down the stretch here, including winning all three of your Q3 games and two of those Q1 games, starting with a Q1 opportunity this weekend against UCF and one of those other three remaining at TCU, at Houston, and at Oklahoma. It's going to be really hard. Yeah, and it's not an easy stretch because you look at the challenge that's at hand for Saturday night. Look how good UCF has played at home this season. I mean, upsets, wins over Texas, Kansas. The list can go on and on. I believe they have three wins versus top 25 opponents at home. But it starts starts Saturday, and it's a talented UCF team. I mean, you look at how they played us the last matchup. It was a game where UCF was up by as much as 12, heading into the half, and the Bearcats had to fight and claw here at Fifth Third Arena to get back and get in the win column there. But we talked about it, Russ. You had to find a way to get to that six wins, but – in the quad one category, but it starts Saturday versus UCF. It's going to be really tough going to Houston and playing Houston on the road. We know they know that from the past Houston is seven and zero since West, uh, since West Miller took over at Cincinnati and 10 and 0, 10 and 0 now or seven. and 0. Yeah. Seven and 0, 10, 10, 10 game win streak. Excuse me. Yeah. 10 yep, game win seven and 0 with the 10 game win streak. And then TCU has played fantastic at home too. So you can't throw that out there. Oklahoma will be a top Another quad one opportunity, but it won't, it might not be the top 25 matchup that people were thinking about it. What was heading into it, like this final month of the stretch, because they're coming off a two game losing streak. And I believe they just fell the other night. It might even be three. So next thing you know, it's, hey, like these opportunities are dwindling down for the Bearcats. But they they know it's not going to be an easy task because you're going to have to go on the road and you're going to have to steal not only one for sure, but even might have to steal two on the road to get into the the category of, hey, we're solidifying our spot in the NCAA tournament. No, no Neil, they, they have to win two more road games. Yeah, at they least. have to go five and two on in the final seven. I mean, they, they're, they're going to have to win. They have to beat Oklahoma State at home. If they lose to UCF this weekend, like the casket is closed on the season right now. It is closed. It has not been nailed shut yet. The, the casket will be nailed shut if they lose to UCF this Saturday. Completely nailed shut. Slight bit of air pops up if they beat UCF, but then you have to beat Oklahoma State, 
you have to beat Kansas State, and you have to beat West Virginia. That's a given. If you lose any of those home games, you're done. Season's it's wrapped. It's basically wrapped up. And that's not even and you have to win one of those games deal against either number 32 in the net, Oklahoma on the road, or like we just mentioned, the number one team in the net rankings, arguably the best team in the country in Houston. I mean, that loss to Texas at home a couple of weeks ago, the loss to Oklahoma at home a couple of weeks ago, those two losses combined with the inability to get any signature wins in the non-conference slate have left Cincinnati a team, Neil, that has not won back-to-back conference games so far this season, needing to pair at least one to two two-game winning streaks together to get into the dance. And, I mean, that, that they got to go 5-2 and two and go 500 to conference play, but they also, I think, Neil, I mean... They have to make a run in the Big 12 tournament. Probably have to win one, at least one Big 12 tournament game, because if you lose in the Big 12 tournament as a what 11 they would be in the hovering between the 10 they would be hovering between eight the, range in the seedings yeah the that's going to be not a great range. that's going to be not a great loss if they lose that game like they're going to be playing uh one of the lower tiered big 12 teams right because they'll be in the first set of games yeah so be they'll the be the higher seed up say. against the lower tier teams right yeah first big 12 game if they're within that 8 to 11 uh range it would be looking like it would either be that tuesday or wednesday out in kansas city but they Despite going, say they go five and two, personally, you just still got to find a way to go get one or two in the Big 12 tournament. You're going to have to find a way to make some noise out there in Kansas City as well. But it's a, it's going to be a challenge because everybody knows this conference. I mean, Russ, we've, we've seen it firsthand covering this team. I mean, the highs and the lows of the Big 12. I mean, Kansas it's just tough. got UC goes on the road and beats Texas Tech by three, falls to Kansas the week earlier in the week by, I believe it was five. And then Texas Tech comes out and blows Kansas out the water by 30. You just never know with this conference anymore. It's crazy. Speaking of things we don't know about, the Bearcats defense on football. What will it look like? How will the new names affect Tyson Bites' new unit? We got a new DC. We're going to have essentially almost an entirely new secondary outside of maybe Jordan Young retaining one of his starting positions. A lot to get to on that front. Plus, the projected starting quarterback for the Bearcats spoke for the first time to the open media, Brendan Sorsby. We'll touch on all that to close the show right here on Bearcat Blitz. Bearcat Blitz shifting from basketball woes to maybe some football hope. We talked about the five and a half game win total opening up earlier this week, one and a half wins or one win higher than Vegas projected last year. So a good sign that the talent has gotten a little bit better, especially, or maybe it's a sign that the conference is getting a little bit worse with the exits of Texas and Oklahoma. Albeit, I think you can make a case that it's actually retaining a decent amount of that strength by adding the four teams uh, that they are adding in Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona state. But let's start with, the big man on campus, Brendan Soresby, Neil. We had Scott Satterfield start things off, and and we'll touch on that first. Of the fact that this team and this program is not running away from, they're not trying to bury, they're not getting the rug out and putting the three and nine season under it, it head on. These players, I think, mentioned mm-hmm. multiple pieces so far, including the the kind of long form YouTube videos and and video videos that they're doing about the winter program. That this is one of the hardest winter programs that they've ever that they are really getting tested. And when I listened to Brendan Soresby and what he had to say about all, all of 
the entire process of going going to Cincinnati is the fact that he felt like, quote, the place that I was meant to be at. So he said he was excited to be here. Good transition. He's ready to get into spring fall. And he connected really well with the staff. They got Soresby in quickly. I think this is shaping up to be a fun quarterback battle and a quarterback battle that Scott Satterfield noted he's already having a lot of uh, a lot of enjoyment with. Yeah, and that was the main thing because Brendan Sorsby was a portal target that drew a lot of interest coming out of the portal. But Scott Satterfield and this staff did a great job at getting him on campus early and locking down the deal to have him here in the running for Cincinnati's starting quarterback heading into the 2024 season just two days after his visit. And to hear him say that this felt like the place he was meant to be at, you could really kind of see the the growth and the communication was there with him from the staff. He fully trusted them and he was really determined to help get Cincinnati back to their glory days. And I don't know about you, Russ, but this his story kind of reminds me similar to a guy like Desmond Ritter. Obviously, Brendan Sorsby only had one offer come after his senior season ended. That was Indiana. Goes to Indiana, balls out. It's kind of like a similar story that we saw with Desmond Ritter. It is. It is. We could see that play out. I mean, he's got a similar build, too. I mean, he's a little bit thicker than Desmond. I think Desmond's closer to the 200-pound range. And Brendan Sorsby noting yesterday he's cooking around the 230 range in Nico Palazzelli's, Palazzetti's weight program right now. And yeah, I think offensively, there's a lot to be excited about. A lot to be excited mm-hmm. about. I think this team has an identity. They're going to be ground, pound, smash mouth football, try to create some big plays in the play action game, get that quarterback bootleg cooking a little bit, get that 330-pound refrain rolling downhill with those road graders in front of them. We'll see a little bit, I think a little less designed QB run options yeah. this year, but still, I think we're going to see Brennan Sorsby use that, uh, use that frame in both the run game and the passing game. Speaking of passing game, on the defensive side of the ball, Neil, very telling that Cincinnati went with a pair of secondary players and an edge rusher. They have to figure out a way to slow down these passing attacks in the Big 12. Coming into the 2024 season, UC is coming off of a 30.1 points per game showing, 100 second nationally. They gave up 6.7 yards per play, the most of any Big 12 team. And, Neil, they allowed 47 completions as a secondary of 20-plus yards in 2023. That was 113th nationally, tie for uh, 113th nationally. It just felt like similar sentiments from Kai Stokes, Jared Bartlett, and Derek Canteen. Canteen, who I think could be a major impact player for this secondary. He's got the experience. He's got the tape. He's got the results that you're bringing over from Virginia Tech. I was I was very encouraged by what I heard from this, this defensive kind of trio that they put out there, along with the leadership of Jared Bartlett, who's coming over as a four-year veteran from West Virginia as an edge rusher. The, the, the guys are saying the right things. It feels like the staff is addressing the right things to be able to turn this thing around and head towards bowl eligibility in 24. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, Kai Stokes, Jared Bartlett, Derek Canteen, they said what a lot of people wanted to hear yesterday. And I mean, they were all very well-spoken young individuals as well. You have to throw that out there. Very impressive of how they were able to handle the questions that were thrown at them in their first media availability since being here in Cincinnati. And I mean, it's only been a short, two short weeks roughly since some, or well, three weeks since the semester started, but overall very, very impressive from what they have had to say. 
and they are determined to get this Bearcats defense back to where it was a few seasons ago. And that was something they all mentioned. And a name that came up in mind was Kerry Combs' resume. And they were really determined to get the opportunity to work with him. They yeah. break Nico Pal- Palazzetti's uh, offseason program and that they continue to bring up about what they went through last year and that they are going to embrace that. They're not trying to sweep it under the rug, but they're going to embrace it and try to build forward off of what happened last season and build this program back up following the 2023 season. So that was very impressive to hear as well. Yeah, I touched on some of the key comments those guys made on allbearcats.com. Check out the football section for looks at Brennan Sorsby's <laughs> comments, Scott Satterfield's comments, and the defensive trio comments. For Neil Meyer, I'm Russ Heltman. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online. <laughs> Seconds left, shot clock off, four-point game. DeJulius puts up a three. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.